This podcast is presented by Rabbi Peretz Muchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Rabbi Peretz podcast. Now is the time of going from winter to spring. That means that all the winter that we're going to be facing is really about shedding the introvertedness of winter and rallying ourselves to get ready for the spring and summer, the extroverted nature of existence. We call it from being from a concealed state to a revealed state. And in, in this precise moment, there is a holiday known as Tubishvat, New Year of the Trees, and it celebrates the sprouting the first sprouting of the seeds that we planted over Rosh Hashanah. There is a mystical ancient tradition to do a form of a Seder, a spiritual evening, mirroring this idea of going from concealment to revealed state. And I led a Seder for a community here in Los Angeles. So I recorded most of it. Sorry, the first few minutes are cut off. So I hope you enjoy uh, this presentation of the Tubishvat Seder, the mystical tradition of learning to see our consumption from a state of concealment to a state of redemptive nature within each and everything that we consume. Enjoy and feel free to follow the conversation, whether it's at Instagram at Rabbi Peretz. You can email me at ward at rabbiparetz.com. Otherwise, drop us a rating and keep uh, the good energy going. Thanks for tuning in. This is our inner, our inner opportunity to eat and consume like a Jew. And even more importantly, see the Jewish mission as a march towards the redemptive nature of existence. So since we're here tonight to find the redemption of personal self and the world and the unity that we're looking for, and it begins with our own sustenance and our own joy, what a great time to really go through all the different elements of life beyond just the steps, kind of use this evening to go through what a blessing is. So every time we make a blessing on food, we can think about it deeply, go through more than just the Seder, go through some more foods and some wine and really talk about what's there for us. So once again, if you have any questions or you want to hear something again, feel free to type it into the chat. Otherwise, we'll get we'll get started. I want to get started with a Mizonot. When I saw the 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 Seder lineup on Kehillah, I realized that it wasn't specifically lined up for the fruits of Israel, which we'll talk about later, or anything specific. What it was really was about you can choose. You can choose things that call to you. And when you choose food that calls to you, the hierarchy is a little different. We begin with grain, with something grain-related, known as mazonot, because grain represents wisdom. One of the hallmarks of the human experience is the ability to take wheat, wheat and barley, etc., are actually forms of fruit. And they're, after all, they grow, and then from the stalk, which is a miniature tree, comes the fruit which grows off of it. And we take that fruit and turn it into grain and cereal and bread. So that relates to human wisdom that is specifically related to the human experience. So we'll begin with a blessing on something mizonoth and something grain related. So to set the intention that there's something uniquely human about what we're doing. We're not just animals that are plucking fruit that seem to be right, but we're intentional beings that grow with each and every part of our consumption. Now, when we make a blessing, a blessing is a wonderful way to look at what Judaism sees as meditation. Meditation in Jewish tradition is an act coupled with action. 
a ritual moment coupled with an action-oriented moment. It's not just about the moment of feeling good or clarity of meditation itself. It's about coupling it to something in your life that can be transformed because life is all about redemption and transformation. So the first word of all blessings, this word blessing, is not some dogmatic experience, give me something I don't have. Blessing is to draw something into my life. When I make a blessing, I want to bring it into me. I want to be able to take the energy that's out there and bring attention to it and bring it into my own life. So when we say Baruch, we mean to draw in, to bring in. Baruch Ata, Ata means you. Ata is God in this case. Each and every one of us, even if we all believe in similar things, we have different ways of expressing what that is. But when it comes to something very familiar and very close, it transcends all the labels we have. In your own relationships in life, you have people that you know that you stop using their names. You refer to them in the simplest terms. How are you? How are you feeling? How are you doing? That is the you we try to bring up with a blessing. We try to God, bring in God as a personal relationship. There's also times where you is impersonal. If somebody on the street yells out at you, hey, you, on the street, it could feel like they're assaulting your dignity. So it's a refined word to call somebody without a name. It's personal. It's intimate. And that's what a blessing is. It's an intimate expression. We're drawing in we, where we're holding with godliness and experience. So the blessings we'll make tonight, we'll think of just these two, four first words, drawing in something intimate with the creator and how we're approaching our consumption. This alone can change consumption in the world. Each and every time you eat can become an exercise for intimacy with the energy that you're taking in and that's giving you life. So when we do mazon, we say a blessing on bore mine mazonot. Mazon means what sustains me. And it also relates to the blessing after meals where we say the food should sustain us. And sustain means that after all, why does a human being have to live off energy that isn't their level. It's not the same intellectual level of the food we consume. It's not the same emotional level. So where does the energy come from to sustain us? If you just had food in life, but did not have love and emotional support and intellectual counterpart, I really don't understand what life would be. Nevertheless, a person needs to have this relationship with their food as well. So how can we sustain ourselves from this lower level? So we're taught in Kabbalah and Hasidus that food has a part of it that isn't a lower level at all. What sustains us from the food is not the food itself. What sustains us is the energy that is infused in the food. And the energy infused in the food is the energy of a physical existence to enable a spiritual journey. So each and every time you eat, you're essentially eating a part of the journey of creation. And when you connect to the journey of creation, you can see yourself as a meaningful part of creation of the world. So it's true we eat for health and we eat for joy and we eat for sustainability and we have tendencies to want to make the world a better place and know our food choices are so connected to how we interact with the world. But on a deeper level, eating food is an opportunity to connect with the mission of our world. It says that the earlier generation of Chassidim, many of them were overweight because when they learned this deep message that food is related to your journey and meaning in the world, they could not stop eating. They had to go like every food became a new experience. Every flavor, every texture became a way to connect to the divine. So till today we have that tradition 
to eat and see it as an actual service of the divine totally change our relationship to food. And Tu B'Shvat's a perfect night for that because there's a redemptive nature to it. There's a New Year's nature to it. There's an ability to reconnect ourselves to what the world is all about. So let's begin with a mizonot or a grain-based idea, a knowledge-based concept, a human experience. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Borei Minei Mizonot. On Shabbat, we first make the Kiddush on wine, and then we have the Hamotzi. But that is actually out of the norm. It's there to express something deep about the meaning of wine. But in reality, when we eat, usually we would eat bread, and then we would have wine. There is a certain hierarchy to food, but the hierarchy to food relates to the energy of the human experience as it goes with it. So one of the highest experiences that a human being has is this mazon, this bread or mizonot that we eat because of the wisdom it takes for that to happen and how it's one with the human experience. It represents the peak of human ingenuity. The second level of ingenuity when it comes to food is certainly wine. Wine has its mystical properties, but just on its physical properties, you can see that it takes great artistry to make great wine. And the greater the intention and the deeper the tradition with the wine, the better the wine is. Jewish people have not been able to string together great tradition with food because for generations we were not allowed to own properties to make our own food. It's something that we struggled with for generations. In the third Chabad Rebbe's time, uh, my great, my, I guess my great-grandfather, who was born in a little town called Shedrin, Shedrin in the Belarusian area was the first Chabad agricultural settlement. And when they made that, it was a huge deal because for once they were going to be able to be in charge of their own food production. And around Tuvishvat every year, they would the Rebbe would come to this little town and he would inspect the crops and the grain to see what was happening over there. And then he would sit down and they'd have a farm to table experience right there in the field. They'd set up a large table and he'd have a festive meal outside. I'd like to believe that some of the festive connection we're having tonight is definitely what we're doing right here, right now. So when we're going to pour a glass of wine, let's connect to the tradition of centuries ago of Jewish people who in the land of Israel made their own wine and their own food and something that we have not had the ability to do until modern times. And now here in our modern times, we're able to know that Jewish people around the world are making food and making wine. When I moved to Northern California, I immediately became friends with the kosher winemakers in Northern California. And, uh, and one of the things they told me was the most amazing thing about making kosher wine is knowing that somewhere all over the world, there's a person making a blessing Friday night on our wine, on our product, and that we know directly that what we're doing over here is being connected to somebody's table and somebody's blessing. So I love the idea that all consumption is connected to the artisans, to the people who make the food, and to the people who are able to bring that to our attention. So we're connected to the energy that has come before us. Our first glass of wine, according to our Seder, is going to be a white wine. And white represents, a to a certain form, transparency or chesed. All things that emanate from, from life come from goodness. If it came from discipline or severity or strength, 
it would not require us to be individuals. It would only require us to follow the rules. But since we were born in love and created in chesed and kindness, we can have individuality and individual connection to what's happening in the world. And that's represented by the white that lends itself to all colors. And when we drink the white wine, we think about the idea of wine itself. Wine is made, and generally wine, the inside of grapes are generally all white. So the color of the grapes actually comes from the exterior, from the peels, not from the grape itself. So when you have white wine, what you essentially has destemmed and de-peeled grapes, not just white grapes, but also grapes without their peels at all. And when you have that, you have essentially a transparent liquid that is filled with light and energy. And the highest world of creation is known as the world of Atsilut. Atsilut essentially is where the primary is the energy and not the vessel. All individuality comes from a vessel. And a vessel represents the ability to harness something and to make something unique and a unique relationship to the origin. Energy is just all the same. So when we're able to tap into energy, we're able to jump to different levels. In the world of Atsilut, the world itself in the highest world does not see itself in the individual form. It sees itself merely as energy of the creator. And every one of us has this layer within us, a part of us, that we try to access on Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Shabbat, and holidays, that there's an energy within us that is beyond just the day-to-day -day activity and external realities, but is totally internally based. And it's hard to tap into it during the week and during regular times, but during holidays and during Shabbats, we have an extra ability to tap into this layer of consciousness, which is pure transparency to the energy of creation. So when we have the white wine tonight, and we're going to make a blessing over it, Bori Priyagafen, we're going to think about the idea that there's energy within food that is totally not related to the food itself, but it's related to its source, the sustenance that we gain from the food. And the sustenance, as we spoke about, is about our ability to live in this world. Without energy, we would not exist. But the energy is hard to understand because it has to become personal. But before it could become personal, we have to connect to the energy itself. So we're going to connect to the energy itself with this cup of wine. Wine in, uh, in the, to the Kabbalists and to Jews is very important for two reasons. For the Jewish people, it's important. Every single holiday we do has wine in it. Every event has wine in it. And to the Kabbalists, wine, yayin, is the same numerical value as the word sod, which is essence. In other words, it's not just that when we drink, we end up saying what's on our mind that we may have not said before. It's that when we drink, we're allowing energy to flow within us on a deeper level. We're able to allow joy and happiness to flow through us. And in our time, there's no question closer to the time of Mashiach, there's so much energy out there in the world. Not all of us have been able to harness the power of, let's say, uh, additional drink or beverages or, or powers that could make us high or joyful, and we have to rely on our own energy. So for those, you can use grape juice. It's very much the time we're in is to allow the joy within us and not to go overboard because there's so much energy out there in the world today. There's so much ability for each of us to have an individual connection to the creator. Use what you have, what allows you to be, and don't feel left out. So grape juice or wine, we're starting with white. We're starting with the world representing transparent energy. And when we make a blessing on wine, think about all the wine consumption or grape juice, grape juice consumption for the year. Think about it as a utility for energy and joy to come within you. Baruch Ata Adonai, Eloheinu Melech Olam, Borei Peri HaGafen.
On this first cup of wine, I'm going to read inside from, from, um, from the Kehillah guidebook. It says on this first cup of wine, where are we? On the first cup of wine, white wine or grape juice symbolizes winter and the mystical dimension of atzilut or emanation, at which God's energy infused the creation process with initial life. And the blessing that was brought up over here from Devarim, which is all about connecting to the flowing of energy of wine is, for the Lord our God is bringing you to a good land, a land brooks of water, of fountains and depths, springs forth in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees, pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land wherein you shall eat without scarceness, you shall lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you may dig brass, and you shall eat and be satisfied and bless God for the good land which is being given to you. This idea relates to the idea that consumption in general is not something where we take from the world, but it's where we connect with the world. Consumption is the main place of where a human being connects with the world around us. In our time, part of the world always asking today's day and age of our connection to consumption, whether we're using too much or too little, or whether we're using it correctly or not, you see a tremendous revival of people's connection to health and people's connection to the land. And this is all in preparation for a world of unity. If we are, are being able to do that is one of the great privileges of living in this time, knowing that in our world today, the hunger that is in the world today is merely from greed. And if we can leave behind the concept of greed and create an opportunity for abundance, then we'll realize that there's energy, there's ample energy for all of us to be successful and be healthy. In Psalms chapter 80, it says, Gefen Mitzrayim Tasia. And it means that God took the vines of Egypt and planted it in the land of Israel. And although it's a metaphor for the Jewish people being planted somewhere else, it's also an idea itself that the grapes that we drink over here are come, this wine can actually come from other places, even from Mitzrayim, even from a place that represents, represents our bondage and our challenges. We can uproot it and plant it in a new place that represents our blessing and our ability to flow. We have the ability with consumption to heal. Food is a source of healing in our life. And if we can change our consumption, we shouldn't just do it for our looks and even just for our health, but for the realization that we can actually heal ourselves and our journey in this world. And we can actually maximize our potential just by beginning with what I'm eating and the blessings I'm making and the, and the opportunity I have to grow from it. So this is the origin of this Seder is really also a healing in order to be ready for redemption, a healing with our consumption so we can be in an elevated platform. We're ready for our first fruit. The first fruit that we have here on the table tonight on Kehillah on the, on the Seder is fruit that is hard on the outside and soft on the inside, such as walnuts, coconuts, or almonds. I'm going to, I brought for myself almonds here tonight. When I think about these food, I think about the idea that food that has a shell, and especially a hard shell like almonds or walnuts, we can learn something just from the shell itself. A shell in Hebrew would be called a klipa. A klipa is considered external 
just for the sake of external. It itself is not what we eat and what we consume. We discard the shell in order to get to the inside. In our world, when we see evil, oftentimes we think about it as a shell. Why do we need evil in this world? Do we really need negativity and challenges in the world? But the fact is, evil is to be discarded. A shell is there not to be consumed. It is there specifically to go back into the earth. There are many parts of our world that are there just to be discarded. What a difficult concept to think about. But as we learn deeper in Jewish thought and Jewish tradition, when we see a shell, essentially what we're seeing is something that its only job was to allow the formation of what's on the inside. Very often, what it means to have something on the outside is merely to protect the inside. And it says that we have layers of protection. People call it today survival instincts. But survival instincts are not there to make us fearful. They're there to give us a place that we can insulate. And it's insulation that allows for the most important part of life, intimacy. So evil is not here in the world for it to be evil onto itself. Challenges are here in order to nurture the most important part of ourselves, the intimacy that's within us. Many of us have had a very challenging year and many difficult things have happened. And we have to see that as the shell that we have to discard. What does discard mean in this case? We have to be able to see, well, what's on the inside? What's left here? Do I have the ability to be intimate with myself, with my creator, and with my loved ones and with the people around me? It's the most important question to ask. Otherwise, when we go through pain and challenge, we often don't want to be intimate. We often succumb to the external and not try to really grow as people. We like don't want to accept the love, don't want to accept the goodness happening around us. By calling shells klipot or klipa and calling evil by the same word klipa, we realize that if we can see them as merely an opportunity to refocus in on what's important on the inside, we will be able to derive great nourishment from the power and energy that's within us. So as we make the blessing on the fruit of the tree, in this case I'm going to be using almonds, when we make this blessing, we realize that the blessing on the fruit of the tree is the blessing of all the fruit of the tree have layers, exterior layers on them, most of them have, that protect the inside, that allow for the intimacy and the nourishment to happen on the inside. Tubishvat and the full moon, where we're able to look at the intimate parts of life, the full moon representing the deep ability to nurture energy, specifically that all of creation is feminine, and feminine energy means to nurture life. We're not gods, we're not the progenitors of energy, we're nurturers of energy. And that's what the full moon represents. We reflect light in order to nurture it, so we discard the shells, and we let the shells go back into nature and allow itself to regrow, to create new energy in the world, and we're able to eat the inside and be nourished by it. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech haolam, borei peri haetz. There are other options for fruits. And um, for example, almonds, it says, he writes over here, is from the peach family. Thank you, Joel. Um, I will say that when it comes to klipa, when it comes to shells, it's such a vital part of understanding the function in the universe. Right now, there's very much feels to be evil in the world. But one of the challenging parts about being a Jew, not that being Jewish is challenging, but one of the small, perhaps, 
challenges of being a Jew is that evil is also from God. There is no, we don't subscribe any energy to anything outside of Hashem. So if everything comes from God, why would there be evil or difficulties in the world? But when we learn the secrets of klipa, of the shells that are there to give us protection and the way to, for something to be, that its mission is to be discarded, it changes things. We have two ways of engaging to the world. One way of engaging into the world is consuming it. In other words, transforming it, taking the energy you eat and transforming it. But an even harder and deeper way is to not eat something, to discard something, like a peel. And when you discard it and it goes back into the earth, it does its job. And you may not see it, but you are getting nourishment from it because you're creating the cycle of life to happen within you. So we should be blessed to be in a time when every time you make a blessing on a fruit of the tree or you discard a peel, maybe think about somebody who's having a hard time discarding the peel. They can't see the fruit on the inside. Or maybe we have other areas in our life that we can learn from and share from and feel inspired by. So this is one of the ways to see fruit as, as a way of just inspiration itself and joy in your life. We did the first cup of wine on white wine. Now the custom is to add a little bit of red wine into your white wine or what we would call rosé where some of the peels are left into the, into the wine. Now we enter the second world. We're bringing down this evening more to ourselves. This is called the world of Berea, the world of creation. Berea still very much sees the energy as the function of existence. However, it's starting to have forms and starting to have a mission. This is a bit where potential starts recognizing that potential is there for reality. In life, when you're really young, you're all full of potential. And every day, you feel like you're losing your potential. But what you really have is more reality. And more reality is an opportunity to be one with the experience that you're having. So when we go from the world of Atsilas, the whiteness, the transparency, the energy on the inside, and now we have a little bit of color into it, the color that's being added over here is about being able to see that each part of energy can animate a different element of existence. And as it animates them, it also creates a reality for them. And it's within reality that we have individuality. And that is the goal ultimately of consuming energy is having an individual relationship with the creator and being able to see yourself as a meaningful part of this experience. We're drinking wine the grape may be the highlight, but if you go to a winemaker and ask them about the process, they'll tell you some people like short vines, some people like to breed it that there's uh, great amounts of leaves, other like to have old vines, some people like to have young. What a world to be a part of and see all the differences. And that is because every element of making the wine is important. Each and every part of the wine, the color, the flavor, the, the consistency is all part of an artisan element of existence. And you are part of that existence. The reason why we brought up earlier the Psalms talking about Jewish people as wine or the idea of us looking at wine as an elevated beverage and every Jewish event has wine in it is because wine is nuanced. And just like that, you are nuanced. You are also, each and every part of your life is meaningful and is there to express something deep. And you're a great vintage. You are a great vintage. You are part of great strong vines planted in the ground, coming from a very deep place. You may have been originally planted in France and Troy and before that Babylon, but you are planted now here in California and we're, 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 we're pumping out incredible wine here too. 
And by that, I mean people and spirituality and beauty coming out into the world. So as we have this cup of wine now that has a little red in it, and we think about the second world, the one that has a connection to our physical world known as Berea, creation. And it's in this world that each and everything begins to be infused with meaning. L'chaim, l'chaim. Wow. We are ready for our second fruit. The second fruit that we had here on the agenda is a fruit that is soft with a pit at the center, like olives or dates. This symbolizes the life-sustaining power that emanates from the earth. It reminds us of the spiritual and emotional strength that is within each of us. Ooh. Who's joining me tonight? Hi, guys. This second fruit, I have over here some olives. I chose olives because in Jewish tradition, olives is an incredible, is a, is an incredible part of our life. We know that olives represent the ability to bring light to the world. And in order to bring light to the world, it needs to be crushed. It needs to go through a process. And again, tonight is all about seeing that all the steps and parts of our life that we go through are there to express deeper meaning and the ability to have deeper intimacy and bring deeper light to the world. And especially this year where many of us have gone through many, many challenges, there's no question that olives has a certain place on the table tonight because it represents the ability to give light. Also, olives represent deep maturity because there are olive trees that are around today that were around in the times of our forefathers. I think of all the many stories of Schwartzy and Olivia going through Chevron and the old olive trees that are there way, way before any of modern times. So I think of olives, I think of the ancient ability to sustain us and to give us life, and not only to give us life, but to give us light, to give us inspiration. So as we eat the olives tonight, or we eat something with a pit inside, know that first we started with a, something that we discarded the outside and ate the inside. Now we're eating the outside and discarding the inside. And they're totally different functions. The inside over here is not a klipa. The inside is a seed. Over here, when we discard the inside, it's able to keep the mission going of the food itself. It, according to anthropologists, the reason why evolution of the fruit happened is so that we eat it so that the seeds can be spread out. I think we have to switch it to a more Jewish version is, is that we are carriers of seeds. We are carriers of missions and abilities to bring ideas to the world around us. The Baal Shem Tov taught us that wherever you are, is Ashkacha Pratis. Whatever you see is Ashkacha Pratis. And Ashkacha Pratis means that it is being curated for you, that the experience you're having in your life has been made and tailor-made specifically for your skill set and for your attention and for your attraction. So as we eat the olive, we think of the great intention of the olive and its versatility to bring light to the world and to our menorahs and the ability to, the seed isn't discarded, but the seed is the mission that we take the energy of the food and then we later find a way to invest that energy. Sometimes we eat and when we eat, we don't take the energy properly. What that means is we eat and then we're like, it's good food, great, I had a great meal. But after a certain point, the energy doesn't want you to just say the food was good, the energy wants to be invested somewhere. 
It's very important if you have a great meal. We live in California, most of us, and we oftentimes have some of the greatest food in the world. It's important when we eat some of this great food to then go afterwards and call a friend, do a mitzvah, give some charity, take the energy of the joy and the nurture and the health that you infused in yourself and put it in the world, do something with it. And when you do that, you're really transforming the experience of food and consumption and creating a world of joy and happiness. Okay, we're ready for our third cup of wine. This time it's going to be it's going to be red-based with just a little bit of wine in it. This rep little bit of white in it. This represents the world of Yetzirah. This third world of Yetzirah is all about is all about where reality is infused with its mission. The Baal Shem Tov taught us that the world of Yetzirah, known as the world of formation, is where it's formed the personal connection between body and soul. It's on that level of where the body and soul, energy and vessel, are committed to one another's uh, fruition and the ability for it to totally flow. So as we have this third cup of wine, we think a little bit while we're drinking it, well, what is our mission here? Is how, where are we getting our energy from in order to have a mission? And we realize that the energy we have is the glue, it's the adhesive that brings the body and soul together. There's different energies with food. One of the energies in food is mirroring the energy of music, which is, it's a language of body and soul. It's true, food nourishes the body. But there are foods that you don't need to eat in order to sustain yourself. They're only there for joy. And that's what we would call more soul element food, let alone soul food, which is certainly not health related and it's all absolutely about joy. In fact, the whole eating of meat or animal flesh is certainly not for survival. It is there entirely for joy. And thus, if you can't find joy from animal food, you shouldn't eat it because that's not what the food is there for. And this is the stage where when we drink the wine and we know that wine brings great joy to our life, we think about that the food that we eat that brings us joy, that's not about health, what are we doing with that joy? We have to use that joy to be excited about our mission and our purpose here in this world. Because if we don't use joy to remind ourselves how beautiful it is to be us and to have this mission in this world, then the joy, we're going to be chasing that high all the time. We're not going to be able to want to be high unless we could just stay there. And that's a gateway towards challenges. So we want our joy to be related to our mission so that every time we have joy, we're like, wow, I'm so happy that I could be me and I could feel this and I can go out there and add value to the world. I can do a mitzvah. L'chaim. L'chaim. Wow. Okay. We did our third cup of wine. So let's do our third fruit. This is my favorite food of the evening, uh, where this fruit is soft throughout and completely edible, such as figs, grapes, raisins. This type symbolizes God's omnipresence of our own, our own ties with earth. With earth, figs ripen separately and don't continue to ripen after picking. So there's something connection to the land of Israel and fruits. I actually brought with me an apple because before each meal on Shabbat, the Kabbalists would reference the apple orchard representing the ability that the energy is so strong that it infused the vessels, that all parts of life are infused with energy. If you're able to eat a fruit, the inside and the outside, the pits as well as the 
layers of protection outside, that represents that goodness permeated all of the experience. And sometimes we have experiences that are all good. Every part of it is wonderful and beautiful. And eating the apple, and why the Kabbalists mentioned the apple eating before each meal on Shabbat, is representing that the food on Shabbat is totally absorbed. We're able to totally feel infused by the energy and our mission and all the things that we're talking about tonight. So as I eat this apple, I think about permeating all of my vessels and all of my exterior realities with my internal self-worth, bringing this mission that I have on earth the beauty, the connection to the creator, and having it infused to all parts of my life that they can permeate it through and through like the apple. It's a good apple. Wow. Now, the fourth, fourth cup of wine, which is supposed to be all red at this point, red over here, just like the process of making wine, when you make wine, for it to have that rich color, that red color, it comes from being fermented with its peels. That means the energy and the shell, the klipa, together are being infused and are being fermented together and are giving balance to each other. This is ultimately the utopic version of the world where we don't discard the world in order to be spiritual people, but we infuse the physical world with the spiritual reality. And we're able to totally bring redemption to all the challenges of the world. Our world is called Asiya. Asiya is the world of action. In the world, when you look at the word world and the etymological source, the world is all about this is everything. But in Hebrew, the word world comes from the word concealment, where this is not everything. And in our world, what we see is not everything. And in order to really see, you have to become a student of life. To understand people, you have to learn the emotions that animate them. To understand wisdom, you have to study yourself. Each and every part of life requires great effort to break through the concealment so we can each become a master within our own personal existence and live meaningful lives. When we have great wine, great wine that is fermented with its peels has a spiritual component that represents the fusion of the energy and the vessel, being able to see reality as a perfect synchronized world that is created by God in order for us to each reach our maximum potential. So as we have our fourth cup of wine, think about the harmony that we create by infusing all of life with meaning and with godliness. L'chaim. Wow. Don't think